This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It is our two-year anniversary, so we are now officially in our terrible twos. How does it feel? But I feel like if you want to be the next whatever influencer, creator, why would you bother with YouTube? It seems like an impossible platform to, to break through on. But nobody would say, wow, this person who can write tweets, they're an epic talent. Mm-hmm. No, the truth is they are. It almost seems like YouTube is going to become the home of niches. Is Mr. Beast the last YouTuber? Kevin, I want to go to the talkies. I'm tired of the silent film. (laughs) Take me to the talkies. (laughs) That is how old I am. Chinchilla asks, Kevin, what is your fursona? Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. We are live on Discord right now with our patrons in the old episode chat, our dumpster crew, our $2 tots, our infantry, our baby gang, our super uber extreme baby gang. <laughs> Everyone's hyper here. Hyper babies. The hyper babies. It is our two-year anniversary so we are now officially in our terrible twos how does it feel the terrible twos have begun what what can we expect uh tantrums um (sighs) like saying like learning picking up swear words that we're not supposed to say but we do because we don't know what they're me they they mean but (laughs) what can we expect from our terrible twos here at uh the create unknown i don't know exactly what it's going to be but i know it's going to get worse i know everything is going to get worse um, you mentioned a couple things like picking up bad habits, learning bad things. What are all the things that, that two-year-olds try to do and shouldn't do? Don't they, you know, uh, playing with putting, sticking forks in electrical outlets. That's a, that's a thing that we were warned about, isn't it? I still do that. I mean, just for like a, a pick me up every now and then instead of, you know, <laughs> just to feel something, just <laughs> to feel anything just to feel alive. I, I generally, um, you know, I don't really remember being two, but from the stories that I hear, I injured myself a lot. There was a lot of did you really? Yeah, like falling down, jumping off of things, uh, running into things, banging my head on various solid objects. Yeah, there was like a lot of so injuries. 
the sort of thing that that would be very slight uh traumatic brain injury that might manifest later in life is that what you're yeah. is that what you're saying yeah yeah there's just been like a little bit of a multiplier <laughs> effect that it's all kind of coming home to roost <laughs> at this point yeah. <laughs> As well, well now that we've we've diagnosed why kevin is the way he is <laughs> oh yeah uh, um uh it has we were we were talking about it kind of over the last couple of weeks, it's been a while, hasn't it? Since we first got the idea to do this and we explained all of that. Didn't we, we do, we did an episode a long time ago about kind of the genesis of this entire project. And it goes back, um, three and a half years at this point. And it took us, uh, a year, year and a half, uh, to put ourselves in a position to be able to do the podcast then to find a decent situation to begin uh, and then two years of actually doing it. And I think we, we haven't counted up the exact hours, but it, it's got to be about a hundred hours of content at this point. Uh, we did have some shorter shows in the beginning and then we've had a lot of two hour plus shows um, starting out every other week. Uh, now it's weekly with only the occasional uh, little interruption or break um, yeah, we had a couple people who would pop around in comments and, and tweets and shoot us messages. Now there's a pretty significant, robust community around the create unknown. And I, when I wake up, uh, uh, in the morning, uh, with the sun, as you all should, you should be judged by the time you get out of bed. Uh, I, I open up the discord and the Euro gang has already had half their day and, there's a bunch of stuff to read, you know, that I miss there. And then it's, it's cool to see people kind of wake up throughout the day and do their thing and it, it never ends. And so it's pretty wild to consider that community always going on a ton of different platforms, matching that with, you know, us just having an idea three years ago. Yeah. And part of the, 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 the bit of sadness I have with how, global we are is that we can't align everybody's schedules to do these live recordings i wish that yeah. there were like a this perfect time where <laughs> yeah it's just yeah it's, it's rough when um you know you, you live amongst 6 the p.m kangaroos well you know there are pros and cons to being in in marsupial paradise you know but uh 6 p.m is pretty good for most people you know it's it's uh, a little early for the west coast u.s but it's pretty good on eastern it's late for europe but not unfathomably late it does put australia in a bit of a tight spot uh where it is you know depending on the time zone 6 7 a.m uh that's tough but we have uh mini kudos is in the chat he's in australia he's a trooper he has his priorities straight so <laughs> it's not like we're inaccessible to australia no no but um yeah, it's amazing uh, how the community has grown. Uh, one of the things I'm really proud about is how we've been able to network with creatives who are all looking to get hired uh, doing various freelance projects, whether you're making music yeah. or whether you do artwork and you illustrations or you make videos or you edit videos or whatever. There have been a lot of opportunities that have come out and matchmaking that have has occurred within the TCU Discord. And I know that that's something that we're really looking forward to doing more of 
uh, being kind of a hub for people to get gigs online because that, you know, really is kind of like the big topic that I wanted to ask you about on this episode is just about the future of that, the future of being a creative, of being a creative online, of getting paid to make stuff because things have gotten really weird this year, obviously for everyone because of COVID. Um, But, uh, you know, creatives just as much as anybody else because, well, first of all, anything that's in person is just off the table. So like good luck. That's gone, yeah. Good luck, you know, doing live shows, whether you're, you know, an an onstage performer, actor, uh, like fire juggler, I don't know, like whatever it is (laughs) that you do. Well, uh, good luck. You know, like Puff is in, Puff is in uh, the chat right now and he's in Germany. Puff uh, does uh, sound for events. Well, what, what happens when you do sound for events and there are no events? Right. Well, not a lot, you know? And so it's, uh, it's creatives, it's tech, it's, it's everybody. But I, I, I want to go back to what you said about, uh, the people in the discord getting gigs. We, we love helping people do this. This is a really important part of of what the create unknown community is about and uh whether it's it's editing you know in the last two weeks um two people have have been matched up with editing gigs that that we knew about um which which by the way you know as you're saying this i realize like everybody in this community makes 10 times the money from this podcast that we do (laughs) why isn't anybody hooking us up with stuff like this it's insane um but yeah, so so editing there, uh, we when we when we find somebody who does good work and is easy to work with, and you know they're motivated, they're pleasant, they're professional, it is amazing to drop their name. It's awesome. Um, Emmy uh, is has been doing thumbnails for us for a little while. Um, Emmy came across my Twitter somehow. Uh, I think we have some mutuals on Twitter, but you, you know, you just see a thing and you know, so oh, I do thumbnails. Well, a lot of people do thumbnails. So, uh, I, I added her and you know, three, four weeks, you just, you just kind of watch and see if, if somebody's nuts or not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There, there are a lot of people who do very good work. Uh, a lot of them are nuts. Uh, so you just see if they're cool, whatever. And then, uh, we started working with her. She's amazing. She's awesome. And now I, I just asked her the other day, I said, Hey, somebody else needed some artwork. Can I drop your name to them? I don't know if, if, uh, you have the time to work with other people. So let me know because we would love to do it. Well, she said, yeah. And so, you know, I dropped her name in there. Um, there are a lot of people like that who we have been able to, uh, to show, you know, little gigs to, and sometimes explicitly recommend them. It's awesome to see what everybody's working on and you develop a sense as you get to know everybody in the community, uh, what they're doing, what they're looking for, what they need. It's very cool to see. I'm glad it's worked out for several different people. I love seeing like Mark in the infantry, uh, get a really good, nicely paying editing gig for video. He's very good. Uh, so, you know, that's good to work out every time I, I see, uh, see Spin, uh, you know, talk to somebody about, about music. Uh, I know that's going to go somewhere. It's just, it's a really long list at this point. And I'm, I'm pumped that the list is getting longer. 
Yeah, I like that step one of your hiring process is, are you nuts? And that's the, that's the, that's, <laughs> that's the initial level of screening <laughs> has to start there. Um, and once you, you know, clear that hurdle, then maybe we can start talking. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, th- things are, are weird for everyone. I'm glad that we're able to connect people because I think that's really more important now than ever. Um, because online is really getting flooded, I think, in a lot of ways of people looking to do stuff specifically online because they can't in person. Like, for instance, um, bands doing live stream concerts. Like, was that really a thing, you know, two years ago? No, not really. Sort of, maybe. But why would you bother, you know, setting up that technology when you could just sell out an actual concert hall or bar or arena or whatever depending on the scale of the act but now it's a pretty regular thing there are a lot of bands who are doing this because it's kind of like the only viable way for them to make money is you can sell tickets to this live stream show i know behemoth did it um you know we we watched that in september my wife and i watched that and they sold like exclusive merchandise and like a laminate and stuff. We just got the stuff in the mail the other day. And that's cool. That's really cool. But how many times can you do that? You know, you can't do a tour of that as opposed to doing a tour of the US or Europe or whatever, yeah. because you're hitting different cities and it's an in-person experience and, you know, people go out to eat and they get drunk and whatever. It's like an event. <laughs> but right. sitting home online... You know, everybody who's going to buy that is going to is going to probably once, and that, and then what? So, it's definitely a well, very the conferences odd thing. are going this way too. Yeah, I mean, the conferences have to because if if that's your game, and it, now I, I don't know if if everybody realizes that conferences take an entire year to plan of any if as long as they're of a sufficient size, like let's say a thousand people are going to attend, and that's pretty small. In terms of uh, being a conference, a thousand is not some major conference, but you're going to have to have it at a hotel or convention center. And and there are a whole lot of arrangements and all of that. That's big enough to be a big thing. Um, But you get a couple weeks off after it and you immediately start planning for the following year. So with all of this stuff happening, uh, there have been a lot of people who had about a year of work down the drain because the events were canceled and then have had to scramble to try to put that event online. VidCon did it with VidCon now, you know, that's, that's uh, virtual live on demand, whatever. And I think it's free. Um, I don't think you had to actually buy tickets for it. And I know they're continuing it too, because all the infrastructure is set up now. Uh, what else were they going to do though? Uh, podcast movement is, is sort of the VidCon of podcasting. And that's in, in Florida each year. Well, that's, that's happening right now, uh, online. You know, if you, if you listen on Spotify, iTunes, uh, any of those, you probably heard us talk about it in, in a bit of an ad read because they are friends of ours. Um, what can you do? You know, and and it's fine to have informational events like that online. There are a lot of those anyway, and there always have been. But for creatives, like, uh, I don't know how many, how many, uh, behemoth, uh, web concerts do you want to see in your life? At what point do you just watch YouTube videos of them? Right. Yeah. Well, it even, like, I don't know. I, I, everything I watch is like grainy 
grainy footage from, <laughs> you know, 1978. So <laughs> like, yeah. this is, this has no effect on me. This is a Kevin problem. <laughs> yeah. Whiskey soaked 16 millimeter film <laughs> of Leonard Skinner in some mud pit. <laughs> that's somehow got its way uh, digitally onto onto youtube miraculously um i i worry about that a lot with with music definitely in particular um theater for sure you know i was talking to my uncle recently uh my uncle um he's retired now but he was a concert pianist and so he knows that's who he knows he knows people who do you know orchestral performances whatever uh, they are not doing those. So, you know, what are they doing all day? Are you going to watch? I mean, have you ever been to see an, uh, an orchestra, uh, concert, yeah. like an orchestral concert? Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's beautiful and it's really loud and it's amazing. And there's a million instruments and it's this very incredible experience doing that online is <laughs> not the same. That's not the same no. thing. Listening to it through your the computer speakers. Gone. Yeah, that that whole that whole thing from the atmosphere to the acoustics themselves, there's no there's no replicating it, you know. And, and I always wondered. Um, sorry if I'm about to offend anybody here, but I thought, you know, when there are Fourth of July fireworks on TV, who in God's name is watching this? I can't imagine anything stupider than watching fireworks on television. Like everything that makes fireworks cool is the fact that it's in person. Yeah. You know, there's just no appeal to me on television. Uh, and it's kind of the same with, with the orchestra bit. It's, it's not like you lose all of it, but the parts that are absolutely amazing about the experience are just really nullified <laughs> through that medium. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I'm not huge on watching live things online. And so when I, uh, as I loaded this up, I saw, um, I'm going to have to look this up. Somebody is playing like a Fortnite concert. This was just announced. Uh, let me see. Uh, Jay Belvin, do I, almost 9 million Twitter followers. I don't know who that is, but Fortnite game taps Jay Belvin for latest in-game concert in honor of Halloween. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I feel boomer on the Fortnite concerts. I don't get that. I've seen those before where people are playing <laughs> concerts in Fortnite. And that just, that's way out of my, my loop. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you play a concert in a game, but. Uh, it must be more natural for other people. You know, I mean, there was a concert like back in the World Warcraft, like the second expansion. I remember them doing a, a live concert in game with with a, a kind of a meme band that got popular doing Warcraft songs. You know, it was, it was a goofy event. It was a one-off thing. Uh, yeah, it was like Level 70 Torin Chieftain or something was the name of the band. Um, I Am Murloc is the song, Ben says. Uh, yeah, Kudo says, band composed of the developers. Yeah, it was it was kind of a meme event that rose organically out of that community. You know, it wasn't just them just throwing the thing in. Uh, but now I guess Fortnite has concerts. Do you pay for these? Does anybody know? Do you, can anybody just watch it? Or like, do you have to get some kind of ticket? Do you know this, Kevin? No, no. I remember, I think Travis Scott was famously one of the first ones to do this. And, um, but, uh, oh, uh, the, your fireworks thing reminded me, that's totally a meme of people who rip on 
other people for recording fireworks on their cell phones. I've seen. Uh, I, I see, find that weird too. I see that every Fourth of July, people making fun of when other. When are you going to watch that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's that is the memes. Like, when are you going to watch fireworks uh, later on your phone? Just watch <laughs> them with your eyeballs. Now, you know, in the moment. Yeah, James says recording concerts on your phone too. Right. I mean, it, I, I'm trying I'm trying to think like what I've recorded on my phone that I can tell you about on this podcast. Uh oh. Um, no, but but really, like going back and watching a video of something, like I don't know, like five percent of the things I've ever <laughs> recorded, and like those five percent are like my cat doing something dumb. I know what it was. Uh, yeah, like I'll, I'll play music, like music from the fifties or sixties, old country or gospel or something like that. And then videotape my cat's reaction to the song. Um, there's always like a, 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 a bored, odd, annoyed look kind of like when Ricky Berwick does things with his cat on Twitter, <laughs> you know, the cat's always like kind of pissed off at Ricky, but, but understands that this is just what its life is. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this cat is weirdly trained too i don't know Shady. if you've noticed yeah, that Shady's amazing that cat will do what he says in in like almost a dog-like way it's very amazing um it's awesome but i don't have an answer for what people do you know moving forward that have to have stuff done uh in person so that's just kind of like an open question as far as i'm concerned What's yeah. sort of less of an open question to me is kind of like what's going on right now with YouTube and TikTok and this odd place that I think that we're in that maybe we're not recognizing, which is I feel I'm wondering if YouTube is getting boomer is the beginning of my question, I guess. Is YouTube getting boomer and as a result, of TikTok kind of being this thing that kids do now instead of YouTube because it's so much quicker and it's so much easier for any TikTok person to get noticed. It's so impossible now to get noticed on YouTube. But I feel like if you're a yeah, kid and you want to be the next whatever um, influencer, creator, why would you bother with YouTube? It seems like an impossible <laughs> An impossible platform to to break through on compared to TikTok, where you can do almost any kind of stupid thing, roll the dice with it, and have a, a decent shot of thousands of people seeing that. Yes, thousands, tens of thousands easily. And if it blows up, you know, bam, it's a million with no problem. I mean, what you get from that million is nothing. It's nothing. zero. Yeah compared to a million on YouTube, you know, it's like the, the, the payoff is night and day still, but it reminds me of 20 years ago when, uh, I'm trying to remember the specific softwares type pad was a thing. It was kind of before blogger, uh, WordPress really wasn't standard, but, but you could, people were still making HTML sites, but they were basically having blogs. And that was the, the conversation then, uh, with writers is like, yeah, why would you write a book? You idiot. When you can just sit down, pound out 1200 words on whatever you want, put it up on your website. And, uh, you know, if it is good, it gets sent around. You, you can build a following. If it's not good, you haven't wasted any time and you're on to the next thing. And it was 
it was that same transition from big, heavy-duty, time-intensive project versus really easy, uh, no-prep, sit-down-and-do-it. And that's kind of the same thing that I'm seeing with YouTube versus TikTok, where a lot of people, like I'm looking down the list of people who are here live, um, eh, half of these people in, in the chat right now uh, make videos. Well, they know how long it takes them to make a video. Uh, how long does it take to make a TikTok? I don't know, 28 seconds? <laughs> yeah, depending like, on what it is. Sure. 90 seconds <laughs> if you do three takes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... Pretty much that, that is it. It's this low risk, high reward versus kind of high risk, low reward almost. And like who, who in the, their right yeah. mind is choosing the latter. Certainly the monetization element of YouTube is a tremendous difference, but that's for right yes. now. I mean, YouTube wasn't always a thing that was monetized where you could get money. There was that, you know, years before the partner program where people oh, yeah. were uploading videos just to build their channel and have a creative outlet. And to me, that's where yeah. TikTok is right now is it's still in this nascent era of community building. But gosh, as soon as they flip the switch and start running ads on that platform, some of these people, there's this guy, I don't know, I don't know his name, but he comes up all the time on my TikTok. He's got a big Afro. I think it's a blonde afro and he wears these really tiny like weird I'm, i want to say orange glasses like sunglasses i don't know if anybody in the chat has has any clue who i'm talking about but he's very popular on tiktok and he just looks very funny and whatever he does is interesting because he just looks goofy and he has a lot of energy and he's crushing it on tiktok as soon as they flip on monetization like afro weird sunglass guy is going to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it kicks in, uh, he absolutely could. And there are, there are ways to monetize on TikTok now. I mean, you, you can do sponsored things. There are a lot of referral kind of things, uh, that, that are possible. Uh, so the people, especially like if you have a beauty focused TikTok, like that's an amazing platform right now for making a few bucks because you can do a thing that's like, Hey, here's the eyeshadow palette uh, that I use to make this look and have a, uh, a time lapse that just pounds it out and, you know, use code whatever for 30% off and bam, that TikToker gets quite a bit out of it. You know, that's, that's awesome. Um, if you want to be uh, Michael Reeves, who, you know, was our, uh, who we just interviewed, um, you know, th th there's no amazingly easy natural fit on TikTok for the monetization side. So it's got to catch up to work for everybody. But Lars just said something in the chat too, uh, that TikTok is, is basically throwaway content. YouTube is way more creatively satisfying for a lot of people. I think he's right. And I think depending on who you ask, uh, they would say that's a feature and not a bug uh, with, with what you and I, Kevin, have talked about. The fact that TikTok is good for throwaway content, there's a lot of good Vsauce 2 stuff that has to get thrown away because it doesn't fit YouTube. Well, now there's a place for it. It's perfect. Yeah. You can do goofy 20-second things on a platform that you couldn't do on YouTube. That's actually a feature rather than being a liability. You probably don't feel uh, the same sense of accomplishment when you publish a 
TikTok as you do a, a 15 minute well-researched video, but it's, it's good in its own way, isn't it? Man. Yeah. I mean, I would say that it almost doesn't matter from my perspective, what matters are eyeballs. And if people see it, I mean, there have been a lot of videos that I've made on YouTube that I poured literally 600 hours into and yeah. was over the moon with how it came out, just extremely proud of it. But it performed like garbage on YouTube. And then I felt like garbage. Like it didn't matter right. how good the content was and how good the content made me feel. If nobody clicked on it and nobody watched it and people didn't see it, then I might as well have just flushed it down the toilet. So um, the the contrast between YouTube and TikTok in terms of one being, I don't know, quote unquote, like real content and one being throwaway content. To me, that sounds an awful like, like like an awful lot like the comparison between TV and YouTube like 10 years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Like 10 years ago is kind I of think the same there are a thing. It's like, well, TV is like, that's real content with, you know, a budget and production and pre-production and planning and post-production and marketing and blah, 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 blah. And YouTube is just, you know, yeah. um, a bunch of idiots. Well, it goes back. Uh, it goes back to, to early pop music too, where it's, oh, this is just three chords. This, this isn't music. Anybody can do this. This is goofy stuff. Uh, there's no real talent in this versus, you know, really kind of high level music. Well, th that debate is basically the same one as uh, what eventually became TV versus throwaway crap on YouTube. Uh, then YouTube versus throwaway crap on TikTok. Um, you know, it, it, it's with Twitter as well. Like there's very little respect for massive Twitter accounts, even though, you know, uh, God, there's just genius. There's comedic genius, especially on Twitter. It is so hard to nail something so funny in however many characters, uh, you know, what, what the limit is 280. Well, most of the time it's half that when somebody's making a joke, but the talent it takes it's amazing, but nobody would no. Well, not many people would say, wow, this person who can write tweets, they're an epic talent. Mm -hmm. No, the truth is they are, uh, but, but it's just not something that we, <laughs> that we respect, you know? No, it, it is a weird thing. And it's, it's, yeah. Like the music comparison is, is apt for sure. There was, oh man, who did the video? Was it? Oh man, was it uh, Andrew Andrew Huang? I think somebody that yeah 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 yeah. He did this video where he showed that like the like twenty of the last most popular pop songs, like top forty hits, were are one note yeah. are are like literally ninety percent one oh, sure. note repeated over and over and over again, and then like occasionally it hits like a second note and goes back to that one note. Like the dumbing down of pop music has gotten to so, so dumbed down and so distilled <laughs> that it literally is just one note. And, and, and you and I, and plenty of people can, um, yeah, it's in, it's in the, it's in the chat right now. If, if, if anybody's Conrad's got it, Conrad's yeah. got it in the chat. Why pop music is obsessed with this one note. That's what the video is called. So if you're not in the chat and you're listening to the podcast, you can Google why pop music is obsessed with this one note. And, uh, and you'll see this video and it is a remarkable video. It absolutely blew my mind, but it goes to show you that 
yeah, things can get more and more basic, but if they're popular in it, you know, people make careers off of this. Like it's this weird question of, would you rather be Dave Brubeck or Cardi B? (laughs) I don't know today. The fact that like the fact that three of us right now know who Dave Brubeck is, (laughs) is Monaghan in? Oh no. Oh, Monaghan's not in right now. He, He was my only hope. Uh, of somebody, oh, well, puff it puffs into into jazz and all that. So he knows Dave Brubeck. But yeah, yeah, the average listener to the Create Unknown probably uh, doesn't have have a whole lot of Dave Brubeck experience. <laughs> uh, no, you're right though, and it's it's I don't know. People talk about it all the time uh, about you know having not not respecting the simple stuff. Well, the simple stuff is incredibly hard to pull off. It is very hard. It's a reason why there aren't a whole lot of Elvises. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of um, you know, people who, who make good careers out of very simple pop. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's one note, uh, it's not as easy to play that one note as it seems. And on the theme of this, kind of this episode, what we're talking about, I think these are the things that people really need to start exploring in their minds and getting comfortable with things like Maybe I should be on on TikTok. Maybe uh, this thing that I've looked down on or I don't take seriously because it's not as creatively challenging as uh, as a full-length thing on YouTube. Uh, things are changing pretty fast here. And 2020 is weird in terms of how people are consuming media. There was a time when, when lockdowns and all that stuff started. Podcast numbers dipped by like 30%. Yeah. Uh, they just across the board, didn't really matter who you were. They dipped for us as well. And it was as simple as things like commutes aren't happening. Well, all all that car time is gone. So all that podcast time is gone. That slowly recovered as people adjusted, but everything is kind of weird. The money is flowing around in a way that's very different than it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. We don't have a sense of what's going to happen three to six months out now in the way that we did last year, the year before. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows on this and that makes it, uh, that makes it the right time to start (laughs) reevaluating what you're doing creatively and being open to a lot of things that you wouldn't have thought twice about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's totally fair. And also I just want to like quickly put a little bit of a button on the like the simplicity versus complexity topic. I, I don't listen to those bands. Like I, I don't listen to, I don't really listen to the pop music. I didn't know half the songs in Andrew's video. Um, the the band that I l- love right now is called Archspire. And if anyone looks up Archspire and um, <laughs> listens to them, they will have an understanding <laughs> that I, I tend to like complicated music. Uh, it just, you know, makes makes my smooth brain kind of tingle but <laughs> i i can't i can't recommend archspire to other people um because they will think that i'm insane uh because it's so ridiculous so uh, the point of that is we at the same time as things that are popular are, are getting simpler i also think that there are more opportunities for those who do get really complicated to find their niche It's just like, you got to be prepared to be, if you're going to make niche stuff, you're going to be in that niche and you're not going to like Archspire isn't going to be on the MTV (laughs) music video awards 
ever. That will not happen. Right. And I'm sure they're okay with that. Um, but um, something to just and kind you can of have recognize. A sustainable, yeah, you can have a totally sustainable, financially rewarding enterprise in a really small niche. So this is a, a general, like, this, this doesn't apply to us, to the Create Unknown. But there are podcasts that are so highly specific in terms of what they talk about and who their audience is that uh I'll, I'll put it this way if we got paid their ad rates for the the views that we get we'd be done on youtube you'd be done vsauce 2 would be shuttered <laughs> because you would be <laughs> you <laughs> you would be you, uh, you'd have a tiktok of of you like sewing diapers together out of hundred dollar bills what? Just for the the sake of it. That's your analogy. You know, you'd be, That's what I would do. Yeah, you sew dollar you diapers. Up, you would wake <laughs> up, sew a diaper out of a hundred dollar bills, uh, and then pee in that diaper on the TikTok, and that would be your TikTok. <laughs> and it, it would just be like, I'm doing this because I really don't have to do anything else. Oh my god! Uh, but when the niche is strong enough, like that's extremely marketable stuff. Uh, so you can be strange. You can be really highly specific and that's okay. Now is a really good time to accept that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it can, it can work for sure. But, um, I, I guess I have questions about the health of YouTube these days in general, as it relates to like other options that people have now, you know, Twitch, obviously I wish I knew more about Twitch because that just seems to be more and more relevant. Like Matt, we found that really cool energy drink brand that yeah. I can't remember the name now, but, um, there's an energy drink brand that I came across <laughs> whose, whose aesthetic is 100% like TCU. It's, it's, it's like the same <laughs> they lifted thing. it from us. <laughs> Basically ripped us off. Um, they they bottled us. That's what they did. They listened to the Create Unknown. They stalked the Twitch. They stalked the YouTube. They stalked us. Then they distilled us into a liquid. They canned us. <laughs> they bottled us and they caffeinated us. And now you can you can taste it. Sneak. That's what they're called. S N E A. Sneak. K. Sneak Energy. Um. Yeah. Their slogan is literally energy to create. It, it's it's basically it, like we created our own energy drink brand and, and it's sneak energy. Um, yeah. The point, though, is that, you know, I wanted to see who they're partnering with, like who is an online influencer or creator that they're working with. And they were all Twitch streamers. I did not recognize a single YouTuber, <laughs> yeah. not one, not one YouTuber. So that was like another kind of box checked in my mind. That's like, man. YouTuber is so boomer. And then the other day, um, Marquez Brownlee did a tweet where I guess he just created a, mm. a TikTok account yeah. for the first time. And he posted something on there. You know, I don't recall what it was exactly. But if you know Marquez, you know what his content is like. It's probably about a phone. And he was saying how he, in that one TikTok, he got like thousands, tens of thousands more likes and engagement than he it was ever millions, wasn't it? It was insane. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want to overinflate the number, but it was crazy how many more likes he got on that TikTok than he'd ever received in uh, what a decade. I don't know how long you know Marquez has been doing his yeah. channel. It's a long time though, and he's huge. He's not a little creator. He's right. one of the biggest tech channels in the world, and he's yeah, 
he's slapped something on TikTok and instantly gets <laughs> like triple the engagement and his and he's like uh this is kind of crazy and that was another it probably box took that him about in my mind of like okay yeah 0.7% as much time to make a video zero hassle uh no stress relative to filming i'm sure it took uh no real help compared to to making making a youtube video and yet he reaches millions more people and does it faster and if it it sucks you know it's it's fine you know he'll adjust on the next one it's not a big investment uh and so yeah that tweet that he had and i forget the exact wording on it but it it really was like hey is this is this the future of of all of this stuff now and i think that's a completely valid question for a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh the ones who who have long narratives we're really storytellers who present complex, you know, not necessarily arguments, but, you know, because it depends on the content, uh, content. But I, I'm, you know, again, I'm looking down the chat here and I'm thinking about a guy like the Kino Corner. So he does film videos. Well, if you want to talk about all of these things surrounding a film or a director or something like that, it's going to take you a little while. You have to construct a narrative there. You can't make a 20-second TikTok and capture that. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Mini kudos. He puts uh, equally complex kind of narratives together in his videos. Now, they're they're funny. It's humorous. And you can take 20-second, 30-second bits of humor out and have those standalone be useful. Uh, You know, so it's a little easier for him. But he's not going to be able to... Uh, to have, you know, this, this 15 minute, 20 minute thing about Belle Delphine, uh, and, and have it mean the same thing on a TikTok. Uh, so everybody is going to have to make adjustments and it's going to be easier for some than others. And I do like pointing to you on this because I think that you've made the adjustment extremely well. Other people in the education space on YouTube have really successful, good TikToks, like William Osman, we've talked about him a hundred times with this. It's a really entertaining feed. He's awesome. Uh, it's not, it's not quite the same as his channel though. You know, he's being himself and, uh, it's more personality based and instead of content based on his TikTok, And that that's incredible, but you have, you have transitioned content in a way that fits TikTok, And I think that's, that's what, Really what people need to start thinking about here is how can I, yes, I can, I can port my personality over to any platform. Like it's always been that way, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, like you, you got to put your personality on a new thing in a new way. Fine. But, but transitioning your content over is hard. And that's the question now is if things are getting shorter, quicker on demand, uh, how do I, how do I adjust my content to make that platform work? Um, I don't know. I don't know if TikTok is going to take over. I don't know what's after TikTok. I have no idea, but, but making sure the content is, is adjusted in such a way to fit that platform. That's the game that we're playing right now. Yeah. And I've seen it work. Um, the space gal comes to mind the space gal. If anyone's familiar with, with her, um, she actually has a Netflix show, which is crazy. But the Space Gal does not have the most popular following on YouTube. She has never really broken out on YouTube. She's crushing it on TikTok. 
she's yeah. crushing it. Yeah. Like, like she started, I think the same time that I did and she's, she's just doing huge, huge numbers, lots of followers, lots of, lots of favorites. So she found an audience on TikTok in a way that I, I don't think ever would have happened, frankly, on YouTube. And a little bit of this conversation, I'm sort of talking myself into more of this analogy of like niches and pop music, I guess, Why, where it almost seems like YouTube is going to become the home of niches, where if you want to watch like a 17-minute video describing how spaghetti westerns and akira kurosawa <laughs> samurai films are basically the same thing you can do that on youtube and you cannot do that on tiktok but if you're going to make the next great like viral pop hit is that is that almost always from now on going to be on tiktok as opposed to youtube i don't know but it's it's possible Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because it leads me into my 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 big question of this episode is and is that it's is Mr. Beast the last YouTuber? And I actually really mean that. I know that's like a hyperbolic kind of ridiculous clickbait question, but I've thought about this a lot and I have my reasons for asking it that I will elucidate, but I I, I want to just leave it at that question and hear what your thoughts are. I need help on this question to begin with. Uh what 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 makes him what makes him the embodiment of the youtuber in the first place so before we we talk about whether he's the last one how is he the benchmark here i don't i don't think he's the benchmark and i don't think he's the embodiment of a youtuber i see mr beast as oh what would how would i articulate it um like the culmination of youtubers where I don't know where anyone goes from there. Like, I don't really know where people go to top Mr. Beast. Like he has taken. So he's peak YouTube. Yeah. And not peak in the way where he's like the best content creator or he's like my favorite content creator or he makes the best videos. But in terms of like one YouTuber who somehow figures out how to make videos that get 50 million views. (laughs) because he comes up with like the most outrageous clickbait thumbnail, like title thumbnails ever. And and, and does like back up the idea in the video where he like opens a store and everything's free or whatever, or creates some wacky game where whoever gets out of the circle last gives, gets 50 grand or whatever it is. Yeah. 
Uh, is that the end of the road for YouTubers? I don't know because how many people, how many people want and need that? I, I mean, tens of millions. Mr. Beast has come up. Tens of millions of well, people watch it. Yeah, but there are nearly 8 billion people in the world. You know, a hundred million people can watch all of his stuff and, and it's still, you know, one point X percent. Uh, that's super, super significant, but you know, there, how many, how many channels are on YouTube? I'll, I'll take the field, you know? So like, this is like a sports betting thing where, uh, you can, you can bet on an individual in, in a big group event, like let's say a horse race or something like that. Um, or you can, you can take the field. NASCAR race is a much better, uh, example. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the field on that. Like as, as popular as somebody like he is, uh, I think the combination of what everybody else is into and watching adds up to being a more important thing in terms of individual channels. He's probably the peak. It probably is not going to get sustainably, uh, uh, kind of better and more impactful than what he's doing. Um, he's done it for a long time now, you know, like that's the impressive part with him is that he didn't just have a couple gigantic, oh my God, videos. No, it's been a couple years now where everybody's watching this stuff, but not everybody's watching it. That, that's, that's, that's really what I see on it. You know, he's come up in, in discord discussions as we talk about YouTube stuff a lot. And there are some people who watch his videos and like them and some who just don't, they just don't watch. Um, I, I don't watch all of his videos because I'm, I'm not that interested in, you know, in the, the last person to take their finger off an app getting $69 trillion, you know, and I, on his, his Twitter account, you know, uh, I don't care that he got a, a black card to Chipotle. I've seen the South Park episode with Cartman needing Chipotle away because of what it does to his underwear. You know, I, I don't, I, I just don't care about the stunt level of stuff. I don't think and that I'm explaining this, like this well, though, because like most of what you said, I agree with. I would argue with okay. none of it. So, so you think you think that he's just pushed the limits better than anybody can? Uh, uh yeah, like I, yeah, limits. yeah. So yeah, like, fair. so like, yeah. Think of it. Think of it this way, okay? Um, like Vsauce One, Michael. Okay, in terms of Never like, heard of him. Okay, you might you you might know who I'm talking about. No one has no one has topped him on the education <laughs> side or even come close in in as far as being a YouTuber who like makes educational stuff. It's Michael. Yeah. He's and, the gold standard still. Still. And 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 that's because I feel like things like like everything kind of have their moment and you know, like people there's like one person who really kind of get to wear the king's crown of that moment and then no one else gets there's not another king's crown after that. Like if we go back to jazz, right? Like who's the king of jazz? Like Miles Davis? I don't know. Who's like the person? Yeah, I mean there are a couple names, but they're the the same five or six names depending on the instrument, you know. And and it's over. That is over. Jazz is right. over. There will never be a mo like more jazz, I don't think. That's not happening again. Like that scene is done. It had its time. The king is Miles Davis or whoever you want to say. Um, <laughs> and it's not happening again. Same thing with uh, with almost any form of entertainment, like the silent film era. It's like, okay, it's Charlie Chaplin and Charlie Chaplin is it. Or, or, or are you going to argue that Buster Keaton was better? I don't care. 
<laughs> no, it's Charlie. I'm just Chan. imagining you now, like <laughs> imagining you now talking to your wife, just being like, oh, save up, save up your nickels, darling. We're going to, we're going to go to the, the picture show. The Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to go to the Nickelodeon. <laughs> I had, I had a class. Uh, I had several classes in a, an old Nickelodeon theater, by the way. That's, that's, those were the days 20 years ago. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I want, Kevin, I want to go to the talkies. I'm tired of the silent film. <laughs> Take me to the talkies. <laughs> that is how old I am. <laughs> but like, uh, I think you're right, but I, I, I wonder how much it matters. And, and this sounds like I'm pandering to the crowd because in a way I am, but I sincerely believe it too. Uh, I think if Mr. Beast is peak YouTube and the last YouTuber, I, I, I think that that makes everybody else kind of peak YouTube. I think it allows for a ton of small people, uh, to do their thing, to find their really specific niches, to find their little fan bases. Um, it, it, they can be a little more classical and they don't have to push the boundaries the way somebody like Mr. Beast does. You know, this is, and this, this comes up with people who want to start a channel, especially if they want to put a little money behind it. Cause they don't want to waste that money. You know, I did a couple seminars last year, uh, and you get a crowd, you know, you get a crowd of 50 or a hundred people and they're all coming at it from a different angle. And they're asking questions like this, like they want to be at the Mr. Beast level, right? It's like, well, how do you get there? Um, and they think they have to be really unique. Uh, I don't think they do. I mean, I know a lot of highly successful YouTubers at this point and how many are truly amazingly unique. I don't know, like three, (laughs) that's it. And they make incredible content. They have fan bases of millions. They make a really good living. Uh, Are they pushing the boundaries? I don't think so. They're just themselves. They're doing something in a way that people like. And I look at, at, somebody like Mr. Beast, who I think you're right, is it's going to be a long time before somebody maxes out a medium the way that he has maxed out the medium of YouTube. Um, But I think it's the perfect opportunity to be yourself and make good stuff. Yeah. I just think of scenes a lot and, and this happens in everything. It happens in like TV with sitcoms, right? Like sitcoms were amazing for what? 50 years sitcoms ruled television yeah until reality tv just cut it off at the knees (laughs) just 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 sliced its achilles tendon and now the sitcom is is a dying thing or 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 really like pretty much a dead thing and on all you have are on tv are reality game shows you know the masked singer and the voice and america's got Next talent, superstar, you know, stupid human tricks of 2000. (laughs) (laughs) It's really a a super hyper, uh, like next level, next level evolution of, you know, the home video shows in the nineties. Uh, when you, when you look at the, the evolution on that stuff, um, yeah, people wanted to see, uh, things like star search and whatever in the eighties. And well, you know, right now it's not actually a lot different than 
TV in like 1988. It's just way more refined. It's way better. The talent's a lot better than most of, uh, <laughs> you know, most of the people on, on a star search. The comedy is better than, uh, America's funniest home videos was in 1990, but the concept is kind of the same. Uh, it's a higher level of, of people doing their thing, but the actual setups and the concepts, like, I don't know, it seems the same to me. And so as, as grim as it can, can look that the platforms are getting harder and the platforms are changing. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like you just do your thing, present yourself, open up, uh, tweak to, to fit the platform, but it's a good time to be yourself. Yeah. I I also just think it's a good time to try new things and, and enter kind of uncharted waters. Uh, what are you going to try? What's your, what's your uncharted? What, what are you, what waters are you wading into? Well, I would consider TikTok to certainly be, journey. to certainly be uncharted waters for me. Um, yeah. You know, that's still a very new and fresh thing that I'm figuring out. Um you know, and enjoying doing so. I, I never did that with Snapchat or Vine or anything. So doing really short form content yeah. has been interesting for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, this podcast was uncharted territory and I've enjoyed doing that. I, I think the more that you can do, the better, because you don't really know. I don't know like what people are, are going to be attracted to, um, which of the platforms you're best suited for. Um right. You don't, you don't really know. You, you know, it was another weird thing that I was thinking of like earlier when, when I was mulling this topic over in my head is, um, rock stars. Like if, if you, Matt Tabor went back in time to like fourth grade or something and you told yourself that there were base would basically be no rock stars <laughs> in the year 2020, like rock stars would not be a thing. You would never believe that, but they aren't. This is tough, though. There are no this rock is tough stars because I, they're gone. It's it's no, a dead thing. It's a dead concept. But I don't I don't know if everybody understands that. I, I mean, you have to know what it was like back then to know what's not happening now. Right. Right. And I don't know how well I can articulate that. But you know, I think about you know again. I'm looking through the chat and I'm looking at people like uh, Ben and Boromir, and they've been out of the womb for mere weeks. Uh, they, they did not experience, and I'm think, trying to think of a highly specific example, but they didn't experience like the build up to one significant person's album release. And then you bought that CD or that tape and you listened to it for a long time because you couldn't buy another one. And the only other hope, uh, was to, to listen to other things was radio or MTV where you had zero control over what you were about to listen to. So it was <laughs> the ultimate crapshoot of music. So you had that one thing to be excited about. Uh, now, like there's no persona around that. There's no excitement in the same way, because if you hear it and you don't like it, it's not a big deal. You just load up something else. You just listen to whatever else on Spotify or Amazon music is ridiculously cheap or you go on YouTube and, and chain songs. There's no investment at all. So you don't need a big personality. So you don't have, you don't have the, the same rock star element 
No, no. And just to prove my point, the chat right now is is naming bands like rock bands. Like, hey, what about this band? What about yeah. they're all like forty years old? <laughs> like, yeah. what about Foo Fighters? Yeah, what about Foo Fighters? That band is twenty five <laughs> years old. What about ACDC? They're forty years old. Like they're in adult <laughs> diapers. ACDC, Radiohead. Yeah, cool. That band is thirty years old. Bring me the horizon. Is, who knows? I have no, I don't even know who that is. Who is <laughs> Lamb of God? Yeah, that band is a million years old. The, the, it's over. Rock stars are gone. The only, the only, uh, mu- mu- like music superstars now are in pop. You still have pop stars, but right. that's it. There's still pop stars, but that's, that's different. Speen drops in 100 Gex, uh, which is nigh unlistenable. <laughs> Very difficult stuff to process. And then, you know, it's popped up too. So on Spotify, an interesting thing in the Spotify for podcasters platform, let me pull this up as I'm talking too, because Kevin, I, I, I don't think we've talked about this. Uh, so Spotify and TikTok, I think, tell you what your audience also listens to or watches on that platform. Oh. Uh, and yeah, I just noticed this the other day. Okay, so artists that our Spotify listeners are listening to on uh, yeah, on that platform, it displays five. If you had to guess, you just just guess a few people. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Beatles. No. Um, I, uh, I'll give you clues as you're continuously wrong. Uh, so the Beatles, I'll say that none of these five are nearly as old or classic as the Beatles. Okay. Um... Five finger death punch. <laughs> no, it's not a bad guess. Uh, one of them is Joji. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That was one I, I looked at the list and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's a, a natural one. Um, then Kanye, which I think he's so broadly popular that it would show up on a lot of people's artists' uh, list, you know, in the in the podcaster platform. Uh, but then it's Eminem. Tyler, the creator and gorillas. Okay. Mm. Those are the top five artists that the create unknown community who listens on Spotify also listens to on that platform and the demos, you know, they're, you know, a lot of 18 to 30 types. That's the bulk of it. Um, yeah. Those all make a lot of sense. None of that is obscure. That's all pretty, uh, popular stuff. I, I guess Joji is obscure, but not within our circle, certainly. So, right. He, much higher awareness with people who listen mm-hmm. uh, to this podcast. Uh, and I guess Eminem is still, still <laughs> popular. enough. I did not know that. Did not know that. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed they'd make the top five here, but, but there he is. And that's an international sampling too. And I think that's part of it mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, there's in, in some of the non U S countries, non. So like, the the big five on all this media stuff, if you don't have a channel or a Spotify account where you're putting out, putting things out, the top five are going to be the US, the United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, and Australia. That's the bulk of YouTube traffic, uh, you know, English speaking Spotify stuff. Uh, we got Craig back. Um, it's always those five yeah, countries. So, it's always those five. And like, if, if you're talking with a potential sponsor or something, instead of, instead of like your plain raw numbers, which they can just go to a page and get, they want to know things like, <laughs> what's your percentage of these top five? Uh, 
you know, but then it drops. But in a lot of those non top five countries, uh, the things that people listen to and some of the patterns, you know, they, they do listen to some things that uh, have been out of the very top for a couple of years. You know, Eminem has stronger staying power there is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, somebody in the chat did mention all pretty creative artists too. Um, yes. Which is fitting. Gorilla is a very creative Tyler, the creator that's <laughs> in his name. Uh, Kanye is. Uh, Do you pronounce the comma? Do you say Tyler comma the creator or is it implied? I think it's a silent comma, actually. <laughs> I think that somebody needs to start saying the comma and I, I'd like to be the one to start that. Okay. If you're going to include the punctuation, they, you know, we might as well recognize it properly and do it right. <laughs> um, yeah. And Kanye obviously is <laughs> tips the scales, I think, on the uh, creative side. Presidential candidate Kanye West right. is quite relevant Future now, president so I'm, I'm not surprised. West. Yes. Um, <laughs> do we have questions to take from the chat? I think we've just kind of been talking to them the whole time. We have. We've been talking to them throughout <laughs> the episode, which it's ranged from, yeah, it's been all over the place. They, they were trying to find you on WikiFeet. They're trying to find pictures of your feet as we talked. Um, oh, Jeff is asking what RPGs I'm playing. So I just finished a Valkyrie profile for PS1. And so last week, or, or no, this week I started Valkyrie profile 2 for PS2 because I figured I... <laughs> Might as well, while the story's fresh in my mind, play the sequel, which is actually a prequel, but I'm really, really, really liking it a lot. Uh, it's very different than any other RPG I've played before. I like the battle system. So yes, that is what I'm playing right now. And I will also say that uh, November is going to be a very insane month to be a gamer between the new systems are coming out, the new consoles are coming out, Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out. Uh, there's just kind of a lot happening there um, in the in the gamer in the gamer world. It's going to be difficult to figure out what to uh, what to play. But yeah, the chat is excited about Cyberpunk. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I love The Witcher Three, and they've only been working on Cyberpunk for like <laughs> nine years, so <laughs> it's been it, it while, better yeah. be good. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with 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 my gamer life, Jeff. Can I tell you about my PS4 life? I've been love, doing things with the PS4. I would love to hear about your gamer life, Matt. So I put the PS4 in the bedroom because uh, I tend to work quite late. And when I'm done working, I go to bed and fall asleep. So, well, if I'm not, if the PS4 is not right there, I'm not going to use it that much. So I moved it up. Now I use it constantly. Let me tell you what I've done for the last few weeks. I love the PS4 to watch Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> I knew I this was going to be dumb as soon as you started saying I, it was going to be so weird. And it was, it lived up to the hype in my own brain that <laughs> that's that you moved the PS4 romantically into your bedroom to watch masterpiece theater. How does that even occur? Yeah. How do you find it on there? Uh, well, you can get, uh, you can get PBS add on, uh, on Amazon prime. So yeah, you like, you pay monthly for that channel. Prime Day uh, made it 99 cents for two months. So that was pretty sweet. So I got the, yeah, PBS DLC. That's exactly what it is. And lately I've been watching Mr. Selfridge with Jeremy Pevins. Uh, 
which is loosely based on the real Harry Gordon Selfridge, uh, the department store magnet in early 19, uh, 1900s London, uh, and the exploits of, of him building his department stores through the teens and 20s especially. Um, it did run for four seasons of 10 episodes each, so a good 40 hours of Mr. Selfridge content. It's sort of like a Downton Abbey that's, uh, eh, that's, that's a little less deep. But that's what the PS4 is delivering for me right now, and I'm quite happy with it. Okay, okay, okay. But please, please back up for a second, because I actually don't really know what Masterpiece Theater is. I, I know it as, like, an aesthetic and that it's very yeah. formal and it's very regal and it's very pomp and circumstance. But in terms of what the actual content is, even you describing that is confusing to me. So what is masterpiece theater exactly? Honestly, it's really uh, repurposing British TV. <laughs> the best way to describe it is that, um, is that it replays British television on American PBS. Okay. Yeah. That that's pretty much what it is at this point. And so it, it used to be a little bit more of a thing around, you know, like this is masterpiece theater and they would show uh, like an Agatha Christie movie, uh, you know, a movie about one of her books, something like that. Uh, then it transitioned into series and it's, it's always like classic, classic, very British shows. I mean, you watch, you can turn it on and, watch for five minutes and know that you're watching something that was imported into masterpiece theater. Uh, but yeah, it's really just kind of rehosting, <laughs> rehosting British TV on PBS. Okay. So it's not yeah, original the, the content. It, it's, yeah. it's like a repackaging of British content for Americans where they just say, hello, welcome to masterpiece theater. And then they just chuck on some show that already existed on the BBC. They have a couple versions now. Uh, like they went from Masterpiece Theater to being branded as Masterpiece and then broke it into two or three different verticals where it was like Masterpiece Classic or something. And that was very much like it used to be. And I think it's they have Masterpiece Contemporary as well, which is, uh, which is newer shows. Um, so yeah, they... they <laughs> show old stuff, uh, branded, like kind of co-branded things. So like Mr. Selfridge was produced by ITV and the Brit bongs who listen to this will know of ITV as a major channel in the UK. Um, we were actually talking to them at one point about, about a project a long time ago that never came to pass, uh, but they're a major player in, in, uh, you know, documentary stuff in all sorts of TV shows. And so, uh, in the UK, that show will be on the ITV channel, but it gets ported over and kind of condensed on, onto PBS by way of Masterpiece. So okay. you get to watch uh, shows from multiple networks that kind of arrive at the same point of Masterpiece. But this is the power of the PS4. This is what they don't tell you. <laughs> uh, they don't, <laughs> you know, you ding dongs and weenies talk about, uh, talk about your video games, your, role-playing games your witchers and your pokemans yeah yeah i love but you have this entire world po at your fingertips pokemon i always play pokemon on my ps4 Do, can i tell you what i thought <laughs> masterpiece theater was and I, and i didn't realize it until uh i just put this together in my head just now 
I thought Masterpiece Theater was like the Twilight Zone for aristocrats, where it was like an anth- <laughs> it was like an anthology show for like uh, like pompous, snooty, like like uppity um, um, kind of ki- kinds yeah. of uh, yuppies. It was like instead of like horror sci-fi like Twilight Zone, it was like these very very formal um, aristocratic shows uh, about the high life. It's not about that the high far. life, you know, of um, your snifters and um, <laughs> having your your sweater tied around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the best way I would describe it is that they do a lot of things like series and. Uh, adaptations of things like Jane Austen novels. Well, if you want to watch that kind of thing, you're really not going to be able to see it anywhere else. For you're good just, reason. You're just not going to. <laughs> you know? Uh, so that's the kind of content that's on there. But they have, you know, more dramatic stuff. Uh-huh. Like, there's a reason that Downton Abbey was so popular and Mr. Selfridge was quite good. Although I do have quibbles with how they deviated from from reality. Ooh. They they sure played fast and loose with the the facts of that man's life. Look, man, I bet you could write a wicked handwritten letter with like um, you know your <laughs> quill and your ink pot <laughs> by your by your your oil candlelight that you literally have um, that would just be scathing. <laughs> 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 give them the give them the what for <laughs> and their when we're done recording <laughs> their do comeuppance <laughs> after this i will retire to the drawing room and, and begin scheming yeah yeah what is a what is a drawing room what is that well i'll say that you know i don't know if when you when you've been here if I've used the term, but the room I'm in now, I refer to as the parlor. Okay. And that question comes up to what is a parlor? What do you do? It's not like anybody's parling. I don't know. You know, it's not like anybody's drawing in the drawing room. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like a very relaxed living room. It's like a living room with purpose where the, where the idea is not just to be lazy. It's to talk. It's to do something. Uh, this, this room, this parlor was a lot of music playing. You know, it's nice. It's, it's, whereas a living room, nothing really happens. You just sit there and, and do nothing in a living room. You stay alive. <laughs> That's the goal of a living room is to stay alive. It's not die. Yeah. No. In a drawing room, in a parlor, you do something. Right. You play pinochle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got definitions. Uh, drawing room, uh, James has drawing room house where visitors may be entertained. And a historical term for what would now usually be called the living room. Ah. Well, those historians are wrong. Um, a yeah, women would withdraw to a different room called the withdrawing room. Oh, and the word drawing room is a crude change of the original withdrawing room. I like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you would go to the drawing room after eating dinner, for example, and and everybody hangs out. The withdrawing room, that makes a lot more sense. So then the women could loosen their corsets and they could fart after dinner uh, amongst themselves. And then the men uh, can can smoke their pipes and their cigars and then, then they could fart yes. in their own room after dinner. Really, I think this is yes. just like a, a gender segregation uh, farting rooms. 
I think you've cracked the code. I think I think you've cracked 300 years <laughs> of European and colonial architecture and purpose. <laughs> that was easy. I cracked that pretty easily. It took about 30 seconds. Figured it out. Anyway, thank you to the PS4 for bringing me all of this joy. Yes, and culture, really. <laughs> and culture. Oh, God, as we've talked about this, as I've gone on about uh, Masterpiece Theater, we got a bunch of questions. Okay, let's hit those quickly because I have to go to the store and buy paint <laughs> for a Fies- for a oh, Fiesta yeah, 2 video. Well, James wants to know, and this is for you, not for me. How are you? How are things? Oh, I, I'm well. Thank you. Um, very, very busy, but everything is going good. Happy about the different projects. Happy about uh, TCU. We have some things in the works there. Um, TikTok's going well. Uh, and Vsauce 2, the plan is full steam ahead for the rest of this a year. Lot of we are yeah. definitely doing two videos a month through the re- through the rest of the year. Going to try to get more than that if we can. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, full steam ahead there. We're on a pretty good roll. And then I am planning on crawling into a hole midway through December to finish my book and then emerge sometime like a like Punxsutawney Phil in February. <laughs> Hopefully with a finished first draft of my uh, of my novel. That that's where I'm at. Oh, then we have the Kino Corner asking you and I want you can answer this one Kevin. Do you think movie stars are dead? Oh, that is such a good question. Are movie stars dead? I hadn't considered that. It's a little that. different than the rock star thing. Yeah, yeah, but I am leaning towards yes. I'm going to lean towards movie stars are also at least in their twilight because well, I mean, look at where we're at right now with the film industry, with the, like the blockbuster film industry. It's in a really, really weird place where it's like ensembles only. It, it's like very few movies that have star power. Like, like, and the movies that do have quote unquote star power that like where a star carries the film, they're they're old stars. Yeah. It's like Tom Cruise. Okay. Like mm-hmm. he is a really old movie star. Like yes. Will Smith is a really old movie star. Who are like the leading men and women of today uh, that can carry a film on their star power? Uh, can I? I don't know. Scarlett Johansson. Can I interrupt you with a stat? Because this is shocking. And, and it actually speaks to your point a little bit. Actually, keep talking. I've got to find it. Oh, Okay. So, uh, so Google just. I'm immediately thinking here. of the Marvel universe, the because all, yeah. those are all ensemble pieces. All the Avengers movies, they're all in each other's movies. Um, you need like multiple stars just to get people into the seats for those blockbusters. Whereas in the past, I felt like you needed like one or two. You needed like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie or whatever. Um, now you just need like it's like everything is Ocean's Eleven. When Ocean's Eleven came out, I remember that being the craziest thing ever because it was like seven gigantic superstar blockbuster actors. It was like George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Matt Damon and, you know, whatever. This is the crate. This is the crate. Julia Roberts, too. These are, this is all has this has all the stars. <laughs> and now it just seems like yeah. all of the movies have to have all the stars or they they get by enough on some property like Star Wars or Dune where 
it doesn't really matter. Well, this this is something that comes from the Claremont Review of Books, which if you like Masterpiece Theater, you probably read the Claremont Review of Books. Uh, but this, this stat is absolutely mind-blowing. Let me read this. Among the, top tw- or the 25 top-grossing films in 2019, just three, 12%, had a storyline and characters that had not appeared on screen. Others were sequels or remakes. The percentage of new stories and characters for the top 25s from 1950 to 1979 was 90%. Whoa. Now, that's a little bit biased because, you know, explosion in film is by definition going to mean uh, all sorts of new characters and new stories. So it's definitely going to be higher in the past compared to now. But 90% to 12%, that seems like 12% seems incredibly low for <laughs> like for a bar as as low as this character has never been on screen before <laughs> so like 90 percent of top grossing films uh are using old material that's that's what it comes down to old characters uh, uh you know it's it's the marvel universe kind of stuff it's uh yeah i mean look that's where we're years at. ago there was a youtube creator summer summit in which will smith was the the keynote speaker he he was there and he talked about this very thing like how much the movie industry has changed um and he flat out said like yeah like there was a time when no matter what i was in even if it was a piece of crap like wild wild west it still was a huge blockbuster movie that came out right and um i don't know around when that happened but or when the switch happened but um you know he was talking about how he you know essentially had to come to terms with the fact that will like me will smith like the biggest actor in the world couldn't just sign on to some project and have it be a gigantic blockbuster movie like that wasn't happening anymore yeah i am legend maybe was like the end of it i don't know but um yeah i think that ship has sailed so that that is a really good question. Now it's more like having a collection of um it's like everybody's a B plus. <laughs> it's like you need like seven B pluses <laughs> in a movie. Um Puff asks, can we get Discord room tours as an after show treat? I think this would be boring for two reasons. Number one, anybody who has seen me on Discord, they've seen the room. This is it. This is, this is, uh, my coom cave. This is my life. You've seen it all. Uh, the only thing you can't currently see is the very dirty door that Monaghan makes fun of, which isn't even dirty. It's just very old chipped, likely lead paint. And Kevin, the studio, like between Vsauce two videos and the create unknown, they've seen it all. Haven't it's the they? same room. Yeah. I, the Vsauce two yeah. tables right there. It's so. It's all in the same room. I have an answer to Rise Bread's question. I hope you do too, Kevin. You first. What's your favorite flavor of bread? Oh, uh, well, we made bread recently. My wife and I made, I posted oh, yeah, it on Twitter. We made sourdough bread, which <laughs> took forever. It was extremely good, but it was a 15-hour process to make one loaf of bread um, that we ate in like 24 hours. So it's incredible how much work has to go into making a loaf of bread. It's like the, uh, 
It's like a Leonard Reed's eyed pencil almost. (laughs) (laughs) I loaf. I loaf. Yeah. It's like, man, I could have just gone to the bakery and uh, bought a loaf of delicious, you know, homemade ish bread. Um, um, I will tell you, I hate rye bread because I hate caraway seeds. Caraway seeds to me are putrid. It is like eating toxic garbage. There are few things that I really cannot handle the, the taste of. Um, caraway seeds might be the top of that list, honestly. It beats out celery? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, w- I think I would rather eat celery. Yeah. Like I, if I put peanut butter on celery and choked it down, I'd handle it. Yep. If I put peanut butter on caraway seeds, I would vomit. Uh, I, my answer is rye and all rye. I love Jewish rye. I love marble rye. Um, I, I would do unnatural things for freshly baked rye. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much that I almost never buy it because I will eat that entire loaf in like an afternoon. Ugh, that's bad. Uh, I, I love it. I love this slightly bitter taste of it. Um, I like it oiled. I like it buttered. I like it greasy. I like it seasoned. I like it dry when it's been left out so long. It's basically a, a crouton that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> rye is amazing in, in every a crouton possible crouton that way. shouldn't have happened. And the unholy <laughs> crouton. <laughs> I love the concept because I have this as well. I love the concept of food that you won't buy because you like too much. Because I have a lot, yeah. I have a lot of food that's like that. Quite honestly, there are a lot of things that I will not buy because I'll eat it. I'll eat like like Doritos. I will eat an oh, entire yeah. bag of Doritos in probably two sittings, and it's just pain after that. Like that's too much Doritos. <laughs> To digest. Yeah. It's horrible pain. It's so unhealthy. So I don't buy them. Do you have other things yeah. that are like are in that category? A lot. A lot. Yeah. Um most all cheese. I actually haven't purchased cheese. Uh I don't know if I've had it in 2020. Uh, I stopped buying cheese because I just eat way too much. Slices or bricks or what? Any of it? Bricks. Bricks of it. Bricks. Um yeah, yeah, I don't get the slice stuff, uh, but I, I just consume too much. And there's no point in having one slice of cheese or one little thing of cheese, you know, especially if I have pepperoni too. Pepperoni and cheese mm. is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's an unfathomably good combination. Um, I, a staple of my childhood was uh, pepperoni and cheese on crackers. And I could just sit, I could eat, you know, pounds of each in one sitting. And that's just not a good thing for anybody. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's expensive too. It's one thing if whatever you're going to eat is cheap as hell and you can, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, Ooh, I, I love, you know, Crip loves Arizona iced tea. Do you remember uh, he's got that giant Arizona iced tea yes. graphic in, in the back of his room? Yeah. Who could forget? Yeah. Like, Okay, great. You love a thing that's like ninety nine cents for thirty two ounces. That that's good. Uh, when something is you know ten dollars a pound, like you can't sit there and slam it. <laughs> no. Yeah, and this bread talk, we're getting some strange uh, yeah. images and videos in the chat. Yeah, 
the gifts yeah, have you, erupted you, within the chat right now. You wouldn't think bread would do it, but bread did it. Chinchilla asks, Kevin, what is your fursona? Oh, probably some monkey creature. I always loved monkeys. When I was a kid, I, I really, I used to beg my mom to get us a monkey. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, Does the size matter? Like, did you like the really little ones? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like the, the curious like George, the, I had the curious George books when I was okay. little, that, that was pretty small. That's an actual monkey, not an ape. Um, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, probably some kind of, you know, monkey with a flannel shirt and, uh, a heavy metal hat. That's cool. I like that. Some sort of grunge metal monkey. That's probably my persona. Uh, Rise Bread has another. How long before we see corporate TikToks? Why spend thousands on commercials when you can upload a TikTok for free? Oh, because TikTok's, well, TikTok's algorithm is so good. This was part of the big fight that TikTok had with the government, uh, with the United States government over selling is because their algorithm is so good. They did not want anybody knowing anything about it yeah their algorithm is insane the reason i bring that up is that if corporate america or, or whatever are going to upload tiktoks it's up to tiktok's algorithm to decide whether or not anybody wants to see those and if they don't they won't see them and it won't be successful so i wouldn't worry too much about that personally because i feel like it's a scenario where just because you're a corporation i don't think you can game the system Maybe you can like for a short period of time, but the algorithm will self-correct if people are annoyed by whatever it is yeah. that you're tricking them with. And I, I don't think it'll That's be a true. problem. Uh, it will evolve a bit. Yeah, because if people are just skipping it right away because it's an ad, um, it'll, it won't get shown. If people are watching the whole thing, then I guess kind of more power to those companies for creating TikToks that are compelling. So, and I'm sure it'll happen the way it's happened on Twitter. You know, uh, one of the, for example, one of the big popular corporate, you know, brand accounts is Stakem. Um, and I know at least one person in this, in this chat, uh, knows the guy who runs that account. Really? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Uh, so yeah, but it's, it's, uh, weirdly serious. Right. And, and they've done a, a good job of, just marketing to people and they post content that has nothing to do with Stakem and they don't do so much the drama kind of stuff. Uh, uh, like, you know, Burger King versus Wendy's drama, you know, it's not like that. No. Um, but anyway, they've successfully made a bunch of people follow the Stakem account. Well, I, I'm sure brands can do that with TikTok too. Uh, they just have to make something compelling enough for people yeah. to care. Yeah. Yeah. Our friends Totinos are like that. I like the Totinos Twitter account. Do they have a good one? I oh, I can't think of too many. I, kudos used a, a bad word to describe brand accounts. I agree with him and his bad word. I'm not going to repeat that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, a big fan but, of them. I don't I don't follow Stakem. I don't follow Wendy's. But every now and then, um, they do do stuff that's pretty funny. <laughs> Occasionally, there's something very funny, yeah. but it's uh, – yeah, it's a lot of work to separate the 99 unfunny things from the one funny. Well, and I still have a bad taste in my mouth. Even, I don't know, the whole concept of it is so weird. Like, have you ever had Steakums, the product? I have. I have. It's yeah. weird. Shaved, shaved meat is, is odd. It's like eating a piece of paper made out of beef. <laughs> 
It is. <laughs> and it's weird because when, you know, it's frozen by definition, steakum is, is frozen meat. And when here's a tip for all of you home meat prep connoisseurs. When you freeze meat, it softens the meat on defrost because the moisture in the individual cells of the meat that expands uh, due to the freezing and kind of breaks the, the bonds of this cell. And so when it, it defrosts, it's not as tough as it was. But what that means when it's shaved beef that gets frozen and then gets thawed and cooked, it's a strange consistency to me. It's a little too soft. It's a little too slurpy. You don't want you don't want to do the beef slurps. You just don't. No. Nobody wants to slurp shaved beef. Uh, the the chat is going crazy. Evidently they do like the beef slurps. Um well okay. somebody does. I mean they are in business, so <laughs> we have found the audience, the beef slurp audience. Um let me pound through uh the rest of these. Yeah, yeah, I got to get going. LB yeah, because I see you're on the clock. LB asks, any interest in or have we tried current generation VR? This is a you question. Yes, yes. I have PSVR. Um, I have a lot of trouble with oh, it. you do? Yeah, I have a lot of games for it, but I have a lot of trouble with it. Wearing, Having to wear glasses is horrible with VR because... Really? Yeah, because you, you have to wear the glasses still to see the screen, even though it's like right in front of your eyes. Um, okay. But it's super uncomfortable to have the headset like squashing your glasses face. So I don't know. I either need to get LASIK or, <laughs> or they need to develop some kind work. of VR headset that's actually functional with glasses. Um, because you could do contacts though, couldn't you? Like in theory for VR? Yes, you're right. You're right. In theory, I don't have contacts. I could get them. But um, yeah, right now it's just too inconvenient for me to do VR, but I think it's amazing. It's just, um, really a pain. It's really a, it's, it's unfortunately it's a pain. It's a pain to set up. It's a pain to calibrate and it's a pain to wear the headset with glasses. So it's awesome, but it's <laughs> just not easy to, to, to just not convenient. <laughs> now I'm going to hit Conrad 500 now. Uh, who's your favorite baby gang member? I'll answer this. My favorite baby gang member is very clear. Um, I know exactly who it is. It is always the newest baby gang member, mm. right? So right now, later meant my favorite Dojangles was my favorite baby gang member for a while. Uh, but then, then we got a new baby. A baby was born. A baby was born. Dojangles, uh, had to be thrown back in the crib and the new hotness is later meant. That's right. Um, so absolute favorite baby gang member is the newest and the next one. Uh, Puff wants to know who's our favorite Puff. It says, who's your favorite Puff? If we're strict about this, it's not very many options. There aren't that many Puffs. Reese's Peanut Butter Puff cereal, though, is that's high up. Mm. Cheese Puffs are good, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. In terms of people, they, they should be personified, though. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, can we have a TCU viewer energy drink reviewing party? That would be awesome. Yes, I would love that. That would be very cool. Yeah. And uh, Memph02, who's not in the chat, but has been reviewing sodas in the Discord recently. It's it's actually awesome. And I've known a couple of the sodas, like Boylan's Birch Beer, mm -hmm. and the reviews are really accurate. It's kind of like a review bra, report of the week style, deep dive on very specific sodas. I love that. Okay. We should do that with energy drinks. Yeah, it's good. Um, 
Uh, let me see. What is your favorite kind of liquor and mixed drink? This is from the Speamy Baby. Uh, I am not a mixed drink guy, really. Um, as far as liquor, it's definitely whiskey. I really don't like a lot of liquor. Um, just not like a big liquor guy. I don't like gin at all. That, that might be a gin might be my number two under caraway seeds <laughs> for like <laughs> disgusting flavor. What is it like juniper berries or something? I don't know what is yeah, in gin, yeah. but it is revolting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to my palate. Um, but I think it's like a genetic thing. You know, it's like people say about cilantro. Some people say it tastes like soap. I love cilantro. It's just like the way, yeah, the way too. that my taste buds work. I like cilantro, hate caraway seeds and hate gin. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of bourbon, I guess, more so than scotch. scotch my is favorite too, is, scotch is good. Uh, my favorite, uh, actually the, the best scotch that I had, I actually had with James from the baby gang uh, when we were out on the town in Australia. We got some very nice, very peaty stuff and it was excellent. I usually don't go for that. Uh, but no, I, I, as far as a mixed drink go, go, I like, um, I like about 19 parts vodka to one part Gatorade. The flavor doesn't matter. Ugh. That's what I like. Uh, kudos has a very good question. What is the closest both of you have come to the sweet release of death? Ugh. I have an answer. Do you need a minute I, to think I, of one? Yeah, I don't think I have an answer. What is yours? Um, uh, so you were talking about, I think you were talking about electrocution at the beginning of this before we started recording. Uh, I've been electrocuted a few times, but one of them was I was crawling under an electric fence and binoculars around my back caught on that fence. And uh, the wave comes through an electric fence and, and shocks every few seconds. But I was caught on the binoculars. And so I just kind of hung there repeatedly being shocked until, you know, the binoculars fell off the wire. I don't know how many times. Um, that knocked me out pretty hard. It, I was very tired after that. It was extremely fatiguing. Um, so, yeah, that couldn't have been good for like normal heart function. But I was young and you can absorb such things as a young person. <laughs> That's probably the closest I've been. Such Do you have an answer? Binocular electrocutions? No, yeah. not really. I mean, I cracked my head open on a, a, a door when I was a kid and, um, Supposedly, you could see like right into my head. Got some stitches for that. Yeesh. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I still have a little bit of a scar right underneath my hairline. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That's probably it, though. Uh, uh, Chinchilla uh, asks, why did you send me a criminal? So for context here, uh, Dr. Kelp Meat Can is the name of the baby who was adopted by Monsieur Chinchilla and sent to Belgium. Um, Dr. Kelp Meat Can... Uh, I, am not allowed to say that he was a criminal, uh, because all records for minors are sealed upon their departure. So any, any charges of criminal activity from the baby that Chinchilla adopted, um, it's a clean slate. That's, that's part of the adoption process is that they're not responsible for anything. So if he's a criminal now, it's on you, Chinchilla. <laughs> um, we're getting a couple questions that cannot be answered on this podcast. Um, Lars from the first podcast, which is horrible. It's a bad podcast. And the only way that you can know for sure is to subscribe on all platforms, listen for at least a year or two, and then you'll know how terrible it is, especially with Doplex, uh, enemy of the create unknown co-hosting. Now it's, it's only gotten worse. 
Lars asks, could people, could people potentially be able to look forward to a live stream featuring the Create Unknown and maybe another podcast next week on Friday? That's a possibility. Um, that would depend on the timing. I hope it isn't the, the first podcast because that would devalue the Create Unknown brand quite a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be horrible. But if that does happen, we will announce it in the Discord. We'll pop it in the links here. And, and yeah, that'll be the end of our dignity. Um, let me let me just hit Trev's real quick, and then I, I have to go because I have to buy props for Vsauce too. Um, okay. Trev's dad is asking, "Who do you think is the best unknown creator?" I will tell you, um, this person is not like really unknown, but might be unknown to this community. Food for dogs. Uh, food the number four, and then dogs. Now, uh, this is an older woman uh, who is who lives in New Zealand who plays role-playing games like obsessively she has played every single game every single japanese role-playing game you can imagine and she's just absolutely adorable and lovely and her channel is awesome it's called food for dogs because it was originally supposed to be a dog food company she was starting a dog food company and that fell through because it was too hard, <laughs> more or less like, you know, starting any business is really hard. So the Food for Dogs dog food company did not pan out. But uh, what she does now instead is just makes videos about her favorite games or favorite role playing games. Mostly, J I think they're almost all Japanese that she plays, but um, highly recommend her. Her videos are just so wholesome and her collection is insane She's such a positive person, and I'm a big fan of food for dogs. That's my answer. That's cool. So uh, I have I, I have too many to list. Uh, there are so many people who we know, who a lot of people in the chat are mutual friends with, who have very small audiences, relatively small audiences. You know, talking people with a thousand subs, two thousand subs, a couple hundred subs. They make really good stuff, and so my answer to that is like I see one or two new people a day who I think how are they not how are they not huge um you know friends like like cordwit is a good example who's growing at a good pace now he's got to be about five thousand subs people are starting to recognize him uh cordwit's extremely entertaining um that's that's a great example we do get uh the people who are a few videos in uh i mentioned dojangles who used to be a baby favorite and is not at all anybody's favorite in the baby gang anymore um but She's made a few videos. It's very good. There are going to be a lot of, of others that are good. Um, there are just so many people like the two of them that it could be its own podcast to name them all. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a constant cycle. And I just hope that the people who are, who are relatively unknown keep going. That's all I care about is that they keep doing stuff so that they get known. Yes. Keep creating, keep trying new things, new platforms, um, join the discord. If you're not in our discord, join the discord because it's full of creators of all different levels of all different skill sets that you can collaborate with, that you can hire, that can hire you, um, and, and encourage and, um, bounce ideas off of. Cause that's another thing we didn't even get into is how important it is just to have somebody to bounce your ideas off of, you know, oh, yeah. if you don't have somebody like that in your life, maybe you can find one of the create unknown discord. But I have to jet. I have to buy props for Vsauce 2 for the new video. That needs to happen. It's part of my life as a creator. 
But uh, this was great. Uh, I really enjoyed just hanging out and doing an episode like this. Just the two of us, but it's not the two of us. It's everyone in the Discord. It's not, and it's not anymore. All of our patrons. Yeah. TCU uh, has become a Wednesday night staple. If you don't recognize that yet, I hope that you do soon. Wednesday nights are TCU nights. TC me and you to join us you have to become a patron though and that's mm -hmm. a really great idea because then you're supporting the show and you get to be part of the show so go to patreon.com slash the create unknown and join at whatever tier feels right for you we have two dollar tots we have the dumpster crew we have the infantry we have the baby gang we have the super uber uber ultra extreme creator tier baby gang um, with laser beams sh shooting out of their eyes like a like a Michael Reeves type of <laughs> type of baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do that. Join us. Become part of of the Create Unknown. We'd love to have you. And real quick, uh, this is partially for the people listening live, but we're going to jump into the after show. Uh, we're going to talk in the voice channel here on the Discord, and that's a thing that everybody listening to this should know about. When we do finish an episode on Wednesday nights, um, all of us jump in and hang out. It's not, you know, it's not recorded and it's not an episode. We just talk about whatever and enjoy each other's company. And uh, the lovely Trev's dad is, is uh, going to help out with that a bit tonight. Um, yeah, so we're going to jump in. We, we always do and so check out the discord and and at the least jump into that conversation that's open to everybody it's open to everyone all right until then see you space cowboys